This is Off the Record with Big C and Slim Nick. Well, as you probably might have guessed, at the 11th hour, um, unfortunately, uh, it's not Slim Nick. Um, but we do have... Uh, he's un- unavailable, I'm afraid, Nick. He's uh, under the weather still this week. So he was on a hat-trick as well uh, after the last couple of weeks, but sadly he's not here. But in his place, we've got Sticky Pete from the Bedfordshire Puff. Buckinghamshire, border, a village again. Remind me of the name of the town or the village you're in? Edelsborough. Edelsborough. There you yes. go. Okay. Between Dunstable and Leighton Buzzard. Okay, that will mean a lot to our American listeners. Well, but it, it is, it's probably about from Cheltenham. Well, that's not going to help anyway, actually. I can say it's probably about 50, 50, 60 miles from Chelmsford. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll further from London. Um, anyway, um, it's sadly Nick, isn't it? Because it's our, um, believe it or not, time travels so fast. It's our six month anniversary show today, uh, episode 26. So, that if my math is correct, that is six months. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a shame, but uh, what, what can you do about it? Not a lot. Um, so we have rapidly swiftly come up with a bit of a theme to do today and um unfortunately it's just the two of us we haven't got, even got we haven't even got Ozzy Austin with us this week so our female audience sort of turned off already no doubt yeah I know that's uh, it's a disaster <laughs> that's, the, that's the one <laughs> but I'm sure he'll be back again one one day um <laughs> we are going to be looking at um the number one singles from across the years, uh, well, from a particular era that anyone's interested in, um, that really we cannot tolerate. We can't stand. And you, you, we'll be rushing to the off button on the radio if a song comes on. And I know there have been some real stinker number ones over the years. Um, but, you know, we're going to try and run through them. I've, I've listed 10, tried to whittle it down to 10. From the um, cauldron of cack that there is of number ones, um, Stinky's done the same. Um, our least favourite number one singles could be US or the UK, um, but they've done our heads in over the years. Uh, if if we got time at the end, uh, I'd like to um, just continue a bit of a follow-on from the episode seventeen we had a few weeks back with Nick. Because uh, I know Pete's a, a guitarist, keen guitarist and singer. Um, I'll get his views on his top 10 guitarists as well if we've got time at the end. And we might have, because we've only got 10 singles and there's only two of us. So hopefully we'll be finished before Thursday. Um, <laughs> don't bank on it. <laughs> no, I don't bank, I don't bank on it. You can never. No, so let's get Right, let's get into these rip-roaringly awful number one singles, starting at the very, very bottom, no doubt. With you, Pete, what have you got that really does well, your can head I, in? Can I kind of just do a little bit of a little bit a of a background thing here? Okay, oh, so um, um, I, all of the ones I've chosen are from the seventies, and the reason I've done that is for a number of reasons. Um, firstly, because that was really the period when. 
um, and you probably know this better than me, Cole. But um, all of the ones I've chosen, I think this was in the nineteen um, in the nineteen seventies on a Sunday night. Didn't they used to do the chart rundown, didn't they? They did. Right, so my kid brother and I used to listen to the chart rundown religiously um, every week, and probably lying around at my dad's house, there is actually the book that we recorded all of the charts, the 1 through 20, um, in. And, 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 you know, that was just part of growing up. And um, it wasn't really until we started talking about doing this show tonight that I started to look back and realised that basically all of the good songs never got anywhere near number one. They all were, you know, if they were a top five or six, they were lucky. And that mostly it was the terrible songs that got to number one. And that kind of set me thinking, you know, it's novelty songs, schmaltzy crap. Um, <laughs> in fact, actually, yeah. it was... It was easier to pick ten that I actually liked than the uh, I'm sure it than, the, <laughs> than the others, but I think and what it made me reflect was that it's little wonder that the country is uh, in the state it's in today because the people that were responsible for getting all these songs to number one are now either running the country or have actually got the vote, um, and, and both of them, both both of those things I think are testimony to, <laughs> to how bad things have got. So. Um, I've I've chosen one terrible number one from each year, um, and then and then I've got a backup one, which if we've got time, we can have one minute on after. You, well, you, we might have a, might have a bit of fun here. Then I might be able to just maybe have a little go at predicting your number one from each <laughs> of these years. Actually. Well, I'm, I, I, I start with seventy or seventy-one. Seventy. I've, I've no, I've gone seventy to seventy-nine. So they're me me 10 years, all right? Okay, so 1970, I'm thinking the most gimmicky number one was Lee Marvin. I liked the Lee Marvin song. And I I liked the Lee Marvin song only because as a You can sing better than you can. I loved his voice. No, he, could he, sing. he was a terrible singer. But I, I, no, that had a, no, that had, that had something. I did, that's not one which I would run to switch off on the radio. No, the, You're right, the I from, wouldn't either. The one from 1970, which I just, I mean, I, why? Um, it was, <laughs> it was, it was number one for six long weeks. And really? it was Two Little Boys by oh, Ralph, Ralph Harris. Harris. And given everything that's happened since, I mean, just why? And the most inappropriate song in history. And it was, it was, it was literally number one for six weeks. And you just go, it had no merit whatsoever at any level. (laughs) It was dreadful. And I mean, how many people in 1970 would have had to have bought that song? For it to be number one for six weeks, answer a lot. A lot of people. Well, I think what you'll probably find is that it was number one for Christmas, maybe of '69. And you know what Christmases are like. Oh, I have several <laughs> <laughs> Christmases. You get all you get all the people buying records that don't normally buy records. Well, exactly. Well, and I mean that is oh, Rolf Harris. I mean, two little boys. That will be all the 
all the grannies and the grand all the granddads yeah. might might have gone out and bought that record. And it was it was shocking, I must admit. <laughs> sure. uh, and as you say, what with his uh, is he behind bars at the moment? So is he out? I, I lose I, track of time. If he's, if he's not, there's something serious the, the, the justice system. As 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 you correctly <laughs> said, the title Two Little Boys is a little bit suspect. <laughs> um give, yeah, given his yeah. Oh, can you can you tell what it is yet? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. Bringing back all kind of well, yeah, it's it's crap. That's what it is. It's, it is serious. Okay. I agree. That is an awful, awful record. And uh I may have I said to you uh, before we came on on air actually that I've tried actually to avoid the sort of the sort of novelty ones that there were because they, they generally were pretty crap, weren't they? Oh, yeah. And a lot of them were at Christmas. They were. Um, yeah, okay. I'm 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 leaning towards a number of, a song from 1971 for you for the next year as well, then. Well, I there's several of them. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but actually, well, okay, no, if it's someone I'm thinking of, I quite like that one in 71. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so I'm going to do mine then. I'll just, we'll just swap over. Um, and I haven't just restricted it to the 70s. Some of these are maybe a little bit odd, maybe controversial, but you know, these are just our own personal opinions. It has to be stated. Other opinions are welcome, uh, but wrong, obviously. <laughs> um, a single that I hate um, was by a band that I did like. I know you don't like this band, uh, maybe apart from the very early stuff. Um, but around, like a lot of bands around that late 70s, early 80s, they decided to go a little bit disco. In 1980, this was, and uh, it was Queen. And it was another one bites the dust. Oh, dreadful. I just cannot. I don't know what it is about it. I like Queen. I like early Queen. I like some of the Queen you don't like, of course. Um, but uh, I sort of makes. I'm thinking of a 1975 one for you already. Um, um, well, we'll come on to that in a minute, no doubt. But yeah, I don't know. It's just something about it. It's number one in the US. It was. It didn't make number one in the UK, actually. Mm-hmm. Maybe that, and it was 1980. Probably why you just missed the cut for you, didn't it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, it made number two in America on the Hot Soul Singles Chart and the Disco Top 100 Chart, which probably says it all for me. Um, <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Because I don't. I don't dislike disco. I mean, you know, well, I, I like I like some disco. Yeah, I just some of it is okay, but no rock bands doing disco. I'm sorry, that well, very was, sel- it very seldom works. The Stones did it, of course. The, the Stones did it. They did it a lot better than Queen did. Yeah, probably. And uh, Kiss I'm did. Trying it. to think who else? Kiss, did, it Kiss well. did it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that's saying something then, isn't it? Well, um, it is. And I'm trying. Blondie did it as well. See that one? They, they weren't for us long, but they certainly were. Yeah. But also, Blondie were kind of much more of a pop, pop slash sort of band rock anyway. Slash, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was a different thing. It wasn't it wasn't a quote unquote proper rock band doing disco. But I agree. No, it's horrible. Yeah, it's a John Deacon song actually. So um, we've got him to blame. <laughs> yeah, um, John. It was um, the bass line was inspired by uh, 
Good Times by Chic, apparently. Which is a good song. Yes, I like, well, I like good songs. Yeah, well, I like but also, I mean, Noel Rogers is a brilliant guitarist, isn't he? Absolutely yeah. right, yeah, absolutely yeah. right. Um, and it, it only made number seven in the UK, and it made, I know Aussie's not here, Austin's not here, but made number five in Australia as well. But another one, Bites of Dust, that's Big C's first one. Room 101. Room 101, definitely. Chuck it in. Okay, so now we move on to 1971, and 1971 is generally, as we've known, because we've done this show, it is known as music's golden year. It is the greatest year in popular music. However. And so when you, <laughs> when you look at the shower of absolute shite in the singles <laughs> charts, you just go... How could it possibly be that a year that was so good in the album charts could be so bad in the single charts? Basically, you could pretty well choose the entirety of all of the number ones that year and go, yeah, they were pretty rubbish. So you've got I'm gonna a have lot a guess of yours in a second. Yeah, I'm going to have a guess. Well, I, I was aiming initially for a Christmas number one. Oh, well. Which is another novelty hit, but... I actually quite like it's quite amusing, I think, if it is that one, fair enough. And that was this isn't this isn't the one I'm going for, but that was Benny Hill. Right, okay. So And Ernie. Right. I Ernie, I I've, I've it's on my list, but it's a it's a backup one because actually the first 20 times you heard it, it didn't really drive you nuts. And it was quite funny, and Benny yeah. Hill was that kind of cheeky chappy type. So I mean, objectively, it's terrible. <laughs> However, in the context of when it came out... What do you really think, Pete? Now, what... what okay, so this was the year that Mouldy Old Doe was number one. And that's also terrible, but that isn't on my list. That isn't on your list. I would, I would correct you there. I have to correct you. I think it was actually 1972, Mouldy Old Doe. Oh, was it? Okay, right. Well, so I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess you're 71. If you're not having Benny Hill, I'm going to go chirpy, chirpy, cheap, cheap. No, road. absolutely not. No, chirpy, 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 <laughs> cheap, cheap. It's a fantastic pop song. <laughs> or at least that's what my brother thinks. It's one of his favourites. Uh, uh, you know, it's well, a weird I've, thing. I've guessed anyway, twice wrong now. All right. So no, OK, no, my, my 1971 is one of these ghastly, schmaltzy, awful, throw-up-in-your-mouth songs Grandad by Clive Dunn. It's grisly. And that was at number one for three weeks as well. What were we thinking? Maybe maybe Benny Hill wasn't number one. Um, No, Benny Hill was number one at Christmas. Benny Hill was, he, his. I thought Grandad was a number one at Christmas. Maybe it was. Grandad was number one between 1971. Grandad was number one in January. Ah, so right. it was probably ah. Christmas into January, but then okay, Benny Hill was December into January 72. Well, of course, um, Clive Dunn, for those that aren't aware of it, Clive Dunn was a, an actor, an old actor, not as old as the character portrayed in uh, a TV, uh, BBC TV sitcom called Dad's Army, which was based on the um, uh, a, a bunch of the Home Guard yeah, during the war. Um, in uh, Warmington upon Sea, was it? I think it was. Yes, Warmington on Sea or something like that. Stupid boy, Pike. Stupid boy, yeah. 
<laughs> what is your name? <laughs> every Don't stereotype, tell him, Pike. Don't every tell him, stereotype Pike. under the sun. Yeah. Absolute <laughs> classic series. Um, it is a classic series. Certainly one it of is. Perry and Croft's first uh, best 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 sitcom. Oh, it, it was a wonderful. It was a wonderful sit- sitcom. It was fantastic, and it still stands the test today. But from but that, that song, of course, he got a number one single out of it and it was called Grandad. And he played the role of, if you like, Lance Corporal Jones in Dad's Army. Yeah. And of course, he was probably about 30 years younger in real life than the character portrayed. Um, yeah. But okay, that's that one done. I don't want to talk too long about these ones, do we? Um, my next one up is a little bit more recent than 1980. We're going to 1996 for this one. Oh, blimey. And a, a band, he uses in inverted commas, that I have no time for whatsoever. There aren't many, there aren't many bands or artists that I could say, I don't like anything by them. This is why some of these um, themes have been a bit tricky because I don't like to say, well, yeah, I hate them. I can't stand them because there's always something that I don't mind. You know, I just Is like the Brit song. Pop? No, it's not Britpop. Okay, that's all right. Okay. No, I would say uh, it's. I would say it's dance pop. Uh, okay, that sounds bad. Yeah, it does. Um, I would say it. It was the iconic girl power anthem. Oh no! Okay, and it We're was by the Spice Girls. And their debut single, which I just is it is just awful for me. Wanna be what I really, really want is really really, all that one. You know the one I mean. I do. It's just awful, and it was it was their um, it was co-written by the Spice Girls. Yeah, Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, right. Victoria Beckham. No, that, that great musical titan. Yes, indeed. God. It's more like David Beckham would have written it than Victoria Beckham, I would have thought. Uh, number one in the UK for about five or six weeks, I think. Also number one at the beginning of 97 in the US. So for some reason, it spread across the Atlantic, um, sadly. <laughs> some kind of disease. Also, it was actually, I've just written it, it's number one in Australia as well. It's done a complete set. But I just can't stand it. It's awful. It is grim on a nuclear scale. It really I mean, I <laughs> there are songs by the Spice Girls I don't like as much as I dis- dislike this one, but I dislike them all. I just hate this one because it sort of catapulted the band to global I, stardom. So that's, that's what I blame it for. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's really sad is that... Um, <laughs> And I, I'm going to get this wrong, aren't I? Because there's two Mel's in the Spice Girls. So the Liverpudley, the Liverpudley, Mel B and Mel C. Right. Mel C, I, I think it's Liverpudley. Well, whichever one it is, she can really sing, and well, she's one's really white and one's black. Yes, so that's a clue. Well, it, the white one, you mean? Yes, yes. She, Mel C. She is a really brilliant singer. She is. And just, in yeah. and in the the stage version, the redo of Jesus Christ Superstar a few years ago. She plays Mary Magdala, and she is absolutely fantastic in it. She absolutely steals the show. Um, and she's got a great voice, but the rest of them get in the bin. Dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> Awful. 
It was a bit rappy as well, wasn't it? Which oh, you know, it was awful. It was, was um, awful. I, I can't really appreciate what, what they could have written with it, to be honest. Um, but there you go. Um, enough of that. Enough of the Spice Girls. Um, your number, your next one. Right, 1972. And it's not um, Mouldy Old Doe. Okay. Right. Well, okay. Mouldy Old Doe is one of the, at some point, I must have thought that was a fun novelty record because I actually yeah. have that in my collection. Um, yeah. You but, believe it or not, I bought the follow up single. <laughs> oh, there was, was one. Which was called Desperate Dan. So oh. it was Des- Desperate Big C, that was. Well, if, if, it's any, if it's any consolation, my brother and I between us, owned all of the middle-of-the-road singles, including Chirpy Chirpy Cheap Cheap, which I don't have anymore. That He's got that. Anyway, right. I digress. 1972, there was a, there was quite a few to choose from in 1972. Really? I um, it was getting good, the music in 72 as well. well. Yeah. It worked, yeah. Cassidy? Well, was, well, the thing was, there was some good ones. Well, there was some good stuff. But um, and then that, this is another one where I have got the single but it was bought for me as a joke by <laughs> Pete Sears and my mates from Bucker Still. All right. And okay. it is Long Aired Lover from Liverpool. Of Jimmy. course. Now that was Christmas number one. And well, it, yes, it was, it was December. It was December. And it, that was number one for five weeks. It was number one and for it a, is, a decade, and it is, I think. Ab- it's absolutely awful. But the re- what's really horrible is that between him and his big brother, who also had a number one in 1972 for five weeks. Puppy Love. Which is, was my other choice of, of songs I absolutely can't stand. So the Osmonds have kind of got this wrapped up. So I'm going with Little Jimmy, but Puppy Love stinks the place out as well. So you can't stand, can't stand <laughs> either of them. See, I don't mind Puppy Love. I didn't mind a lot of um, Donny Osmond stuff. It wasn't. It was an old song, to be fair. Was it? Was it someone like Paul Anker that did it, or, or something like that? But anyway, I, I mean, I didn't. I didn't know that at the time. It's a, a, to be fair, I probably didn't like them at the time. Whatever. I love um, Crazy Horses. Apart from song. that, yeah, great song. Crazy Horses is a great yeah, rock song, isn't a, it? Yeah, it's a proper rock song. And Donny, on you know, yeah, it was a yeah, it was a good song. No. Thrashing is organ on stage. It's yeah, yes, sight to behold. <laughs> what? Uh, anyway, wee, wee. Yeah, it was very good. But anyway, so no, long hair love from Liverpool. Truly awful. And there's this little section in where there's almost like a choir singing in the middle of it, if you remember. Like a, I know. It's just probably someone like the Mike Sam's singers. Probably, probably someone like that. All right. Um, okay. Long Hair Love from Liverpool. Tick. Agreed. Um, whether or not I'd switch it off, it, it's all right. What? Long Hair Love from Liverpool. I, I, uh, I, it, it's okay for me. I wouldn't. It's not on that really great on me. Uh, I'm not, not likely to hear it on CBW radio anyway. No, so it gets right under my skin. It's awful. All right. Okay. And next one up for me, another oh. artist. I've liked a few songs by, but generally think he's a bit of a knob. <laughs> to put it to put it mildly, um, we're talking Robbie Williams. Oh, can't stand the bloke. No, I'm I'm not a huge fan of his, um, but it's it's one of those really 
grating songs for me. Um, I mean, I've liked some, I mean, even Angels, which is plays to death. And I think it's one of the, it won't be at yours because you're having Yes with Starship Trooper, I think, aren't you? But it's one of the most played songs at funerals, which is Angels by Robbie Williams. Well, that's not a bad song. I mean, that if, no. if, I, had, if I was forced with a gun to my head to listen to Robbie Williams, that's the song I could tolerate. Yeah, well, fair enough. All right. And that, again, co-written with uh, Guy Chambers. I'm sure he does a lot more of the writing. Um, also, I notice that a cre- they, another two others get credited for writing this song as well. So is, it, is the song called Millennium? It's called Millennium, yeah. Right. I, I vaguely know that. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, it, it, was, it was obviously brought out at the time of the millennium. millennium coming up when that, that was a real buzzword in those days. Oh, yes. Well, a bit like Brexit was probably nowadays. Or yeah. uh, five the Millennium ago. turned out to be a lot less damaging. No, no four horsemen of the apocalypse. No, very true. Um, but yeah, one of the credits, uh, co-credits, the writing was John Barry, who um, did a lot of the James Bond themes. I was going to say he was a film writer, wasn't he? he yeah, he's a film uh, score. Um, yeah. yeah composer film yeah. score oh, yeah. um but in fact it's because the of the similarity uh to the musical arrangement of you only live twice which was and i think it was robbie williams saying he wants to write a lot of bondy side song and so they sampled it and changed the speed to oh, okay i don't know um they had to record it in a different key because Obviously, it costs too much for to sample the thing, um, but yeah, that, that's right. And there's, only, there's not that I dislike this fact, but only two chords in the whole song, and it, it got to number one in the UK. It was his first, um, so another reason it gets him on a bit of a roller coaster to get more number ones. Yeah, uh, luckily, a bit bit more taste in the US. Only got number seventy two, and Australia number twenty four. But Robbie Williams. But, but I mean, in, in America, they actually had Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. and people who were actual crooners who could actually sing. Actual singers, yeah. As opposed to the Bob's crap bit of take that. Yeah. Anyway, yes. No, Grizzly. Awful song. Okay. All right. That's my next one. Your one. Your next one is. Okay. Well, me then is from 1973. Yeah. So I've guessed them all wrong so far. So. Well, 19, no, 1973. Literally, there is so many awful songs to choose from. <laughs> of all of the years in the 70s, it really? absolutely stinks the place out. Okay. Well, I'm thinking, well, th- there are songs maybe that are like in the same way as Rolf Harris songs are nowadays, of course, but Gary Glitter, of course, had a couple. No, I, in I, I mean, Gary is, a, Gary is a time. very dodgy character. But, but I the did songs- have. Well, right, weren't they? They too were. Bad. I do. I've got a couple of Gary Glitter singles, and actually, if you disaggregate the man from the music, which sadly we have to do increasingly with people from that time, yes. um, actually, he didn't write bad songs, or the band didn't do bad songs. So, no. Oh. Although I don't like the person, um, it, it, this is about the song. It's not making a value judgment about the individual, is it? So, he did, no. he, he did actually write. I think he co-wrote a lot of the songs, didn't he? Glitter, yeah. was it? Glitter, yeah. Mike Leander, I think it was right. <laughs> Obviously, you haven't got Glitter. Um, okay, there were a few. Um, I'm trying to think. There was a, there was a David Cassidy. There was yeah, a, that was Daydreamer. That was pretty awful. 
See, I don't mind that as a tune. Um, Donny had a couple. Yeah, Young Love. Oh, I know. Was, I, I'm young gonna... Love, that was pretty stinky. <laughs> Again, it's an old, it's an old crooner sort of song, just done yeah, by Donny Osmond. Leave, so... leave it to the crooner. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> right, okay. I'm going to narrow it down to this one. And I'm going to plump on your behalf for Peters and Lee. Wrong again. Wrong again. No, that, well, no, okay. That was Welcome my, home. That, no, that was my second one. And oh. that is that is dreadful, but it was only number one for one week in July. Well, that's probably why there are so many poor ones in 73, because they only stayed there. Well, very they much if you look briefly. at the list, if you look yeah. at the list, there's more in 70 in 73 than any. Yeah, other. there's probably like Slade for three, four weeks, yeah, and then exactly. one for one week, another one for one week, and then uh no, the yeah, song, the song which I've chosen from 1973, and I, and this is, there's a very few songs where, as the opening bars start, I have to put the radio off or go to the <laughs> toilet. This is one of them. Tie a yellow ribbon around the oh. old oak tree by Tony Orlando and Dawn. It is absolutely shocking, and, and not. Le- I mean, it's a dreadful song horrifically delivered but on top of all of that who the hell ties a yellow ribbon around a tree i mean why would you do that so the whole thing is just awful and i absolutely hate it you're reading too much into the lyrics here i think uh, Pete. Oh, well, i don't uh, well that's what lyrics are for aren't they i it's suppose dreadful tie a yellow ribbon yeah well, me and nick always have a bit of a laugh with this because tony orlando is the one i take control and i <laughs> Officially, the song is Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around an Old Oak Tree, brackets, featuring Tony Orlando. And it's by Dawn, yes. featuring Tony Orlando. Right. So he's, he's got a double double credit there. Okay. Well, or a double negative, clearly. Double, double, negative. Over, a double yeah. overdraft. Yeah, but you know what a double negative does, don't you, Pete? <laughs> no, it's I don't, Matt. It's a catchy. It's a catchy song, though, isn't it? It's a catchy song, and it's, I can imagine. It's, it's I can an imagine awful it would annoy you. It would annoy you. Something it's rotten. I must really, admit. really, really gets in my head, and I hate it. And I hated it when it was in the charts, and on the odd occasion I hear it now. I just think, why did people do this to us? I mean, I, I look back on it. I, I, again, I didn't like that at the time. I was, I was into Slave. I was listening to Sweet. Yeah. I was listening to Wizard. Oh. Susie Quattro. Susie Quattro. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, what else was there that year? But there were a, a number of that year. Um, oh, that sort of stuff. But Dawn, yeah, wasn't their first number one. I think there was another one earlier on in the decade. But anyway, Tie no. Yellow Ribbon, I've got it written down. Horrible. Um, good luck with this playlist, Austin. If you're going to do one for this, <laughs> <laughs> no, this will be the playlist no one ever plays. <laughs> the, least, the least played playlist, right? <laughs> okay, now I've got one now which is probably controversial because a lot of people seem to like them and like it. Uh, it was their first number one in '96. I think I got that year right this time. Um, and it, it's, um, I don't know what to describe it as, sort of almost ravey sort of sound mm. to me it is just absolute noise and mm. as is anything by them for me mm. and it's the prodigy oh 
I just, you know, I just don't get it. <laughs> it it's obviously my age. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I just don't get it. And Firestarter, which is their first number one, um, I dislike intensely, shall we say. Well, this um, is interesting because I because this is kind of the time when my kids were starting to listen to stuff. You know, they were listening to stuff, and you so you kind of heard it, and and yeah, it's awful. It's just a row. I've just got a note on uh, the message board here. Um, well, I've got two. Uh, Joanne has said, uh, you know, Joanne from Twitter, yeah. Joanne Mohammed. Um, uh, I'm outside um, Spurs uh, a couple of games ago. She came out. Um, she reminds, says Robbie Williams always reminded her of a young Freddie Starr on LSD. <laughs> 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 uh, um, Pete really? liked that one. Pete liked that one. And, uh, Excellent. And Barbie has said um, tying a yellow ribbon around the oak tree is what families do when they have a loved one deployed in the military. Great. That's, but you still don't uh, like the sun. The sun still stinks, but I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the, the, sentiment. the, the sociological feedback here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. This, this right, well, yeah, fire starter for me then. So the, this is what it had eight co-writers. Really? Uh, this, this is what happened yeah, due to sampling and stuff, I guess. Yeah. Uh, when you, yeah, in fact, yeah, they used uh, a bit of SOS by the breeders. And also a sample close to the edit by Art of Noise. And, and probably some of those had two or three composers, so they have to accredit yeah. everyone. If you make yeah. a cup of tea in, this, in the same room as someone that writes a song these days, you yeah. have to be credited yeah. for yeah. fear of lawsuits, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm not, not a huge fan. I've got Australia number 22. I've also written number 30. I assume that's in the US. Right. But that was 96. He, he was the bloke with the really dodgy air. Yeah, sing. I mean, seriously, um, the oh, look in the mirror and think, no, I think that was a good idea. What was he married to, or is is married to, um, uh, one of no, it's not one of French and Saunders, is it? Saunders is married to, uh, oh, I'm not sure, someone should tell me, I can't remember who it is, but um, we're talking celebrities, I have no idea. No, okay, fair enough. But what uh, Keith Flint died, didn't he? Yes, uh, yeah, a few years ago. But I can't think of of the singer. But you know, when I say singer, um, <laughs> we use the term advisedly. Yeah, right. Firestarter. That's mine. So okay, you're number seventy four. Yeah, nineteen seventy four. Getting some stirring, some real crap in in seventy four, yeah. seventy five, seventy six time. Yeah, 1974 is a slam dunk as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it's I mean, there, there's, a lot of soul. There's, there's, there's one or two which are pretty Disco stinky, song. but the number one stinky song for Stinky Pete is oh, Billy Don't get... Be a Hero. Oh, okay. oh really? Really? Absolutely awful song. And it was number one for three weeks in March. And I just thought every time I hear that, I think, oh, what? I mean, Why? It's so schmaltzy and uh, another military uh, song, isn't it? Really, I've no idea. It's yeah. dreadful, absolutely dreadful. So yeah, that that one was easy. She by Charles Aznavour wasn't a big fan of that either. No, <laughs> nor was I. But it's a great song. 
Well, it's a great song, but just not sung by him. No, you hear Elvis Costello sing it at the end of the Notting Hill. Yeah, it's superb. Yeah, and you know, hearing you know Charles Charles Asner voice as we used to call him. As did we? Yes, indeed. We're so funny, aren't we? Oh yes, we were knockout hilarious. We were like the Benny Hills, the Buckersfield. <laughs> <laughs> um, Billy Don't Be a Hero. Okay. That was a hit in the States, um, but not by Paper Lace. It was, um, I'm not sure which one came out first, but it was a hit for uh, Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods, I believe. So I'm not sure whether or not it was a Paper Lace. Well, I don't think they wrote it. Whether oh, Paper Lace had I, it first, and then I it was, surprised. yeah. Uh, this happened a lot, actually, between the UK and the US. Like, it was hits in the UK, and then they'd, they'd become hits in the States, but by somebody else. Someone else a, a lot of Slade songs were like that as well, of course. Quiet Riot covered, uh, I Come On, Feel The Noise. Well, actually, that Quiet now. Riot version of that is brilliant. I like that as much as I like the original. Oh, cool. Okay. Is it me? Right. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about slam dunks, and we're talking Christmas. We're talking 1988, mm-hmm. uh, the year uh, the year me and Sarah got married. So a great year. It was a great year, but an awful, awful, awful number one at Christmas. Um, and I've all this guy does a lot of Christmas songs. Um, that gives we, you a clue. We're talking Cliff Richard, aren't we're we? We're talking Stiff Richard. Yeah. Are we talking mistletoe and wine? We're talking mistletoe and wine. Have you got that in your 88 one? No, I haven't, because I haven't got 88. But if I was... Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. in 70s. That, I mean, that is... That stinks. It's, it's it, as you would you said earlier, schmaltzy. Oh. Um, and it, 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 lots of people like it. It's Christmassy. It wasn't... Um, I was reading all about this. It's amazing. You have to read all this stuff when you, when you pick these crappy old songs. It was originally in a musical called Scraps in 1976, which played in London um, and featured Roger Daltrey, Jimmy Jewell and Twiggy. Okay. Um, and it's it's about uh, probably a little bit deeper. Um, I can see you now, Pete. You know, moved yeah, the light I've a little just, bit. I've there. done something with the light. Oh, um, yeah. It was about a little girl basically kicked out into the snow by by the unfeeling middle classes. Uh, when it translated to TV, uh, the song became, I quote, a lusty pub song sung by the local whore, Twiggy. Now, I assume they mean Twiggy's not the local whore, but as played by Twiggy, I would guess. <laughs> I would so. guess. <laughs> yes. um, but and then Stiff Richard got a hold of it and changed a few of the lyrics, makes it a bit more religious. Um, but I don't believe he changed any of the lyrics. I mean, he's not credited as a co-writer or anything. And there it was, number number one in 1988. He's 12th number one, believe it or not. Well, and even more, it's his 99th single. <sighs> and it wasn't a hit anywhere else. Oh, well, yeah, it was a hit in America, Australia, number 30. But America, thankfully, had the taste to not import Cliff Richard. I, I have to say that I don't hate Cliff Richard. I think back in the early days when he did Summer Holiday and all that stuff, he he he, he did some good pop songs. But I don't hate him. I don't. I, I don't hate anyone really. I just no, hate that song. 
I yeah, just no. hate that song. Well, no, I, I absolutely hate that song. And yeah, it's and, awful. And it's awful. I'm, and I don't dislike Saviour's Day. That's quite a good Christmas song. It's religious, but it's got a good tune to it. He delivers it well. I don't hate that. But Mistletoe and Wine stinks the place out. <laughs> Millennium Prayer? That's another one of his, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, that's pretty grim. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty grim. Pretty grim. That is that's, pretty grim. Yeah, well, you're just singing the Lord's Prayer, wasn't it? I think, doing that. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, so Mistletoe and Wine. Yeah, Cliff Richard. Sarah used to. I don't know if she liked him so much now, but she used to. My wife, Sarah, she she liked Cliff Richard in the old days. My, my I soon not, wife did too. I soon, uh, I soon managed to wheedle her off uh, Cliff Richard. But, um, oh, yeah, awful. And, and Nick saw him. Slim Nick <laughs> saw him live once, only because I've seen him live as well. I saw him at the Albert Hall. Nick saw him live too. But he went to see... Oh, who was it? Um, Kate Bush and your another one of your favourites. Good gig that one. Kate Bush, Cliff Richard, oh, Robert Cray, I think it was was on. Well, Robert, Robert Cray can play the guitar. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. But, and, and Stiff Richard came on stage. Bear in mind, this one waiting for Kate Bush to come on stage. He come on stage, and Nick was telling me, uh, yeah, he finished the song, and then he'd he'd take off his jacket. And he'd swing it around over his shoulder and he'd look around. He said, oh, I'm not used to this Albert Hall and the orchestra. I'm, I'm used to the heavy drumming in the rock and roll sound. And this bloke, and it was quite quiet, this, this bloke in about the third row shouted, wanker. <laughs> <laughs> and he, everybody, everybody heard it and everybody laughed. Cliff must have heard it. <laughs> heavy drumming in the rock and roll sound. Uh, and, uh, Moving on, number uh, 1975 for you then. Well, oh, you know, can I go you know straight what, into it? It's you Bohemian know what I'm Rhapsody, choosing, don't you? It's Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I'm choosing. Okay, so I, there's a story here. So, um, okay, so I'm not the world's biggest Queen fan, as you know. And really? we've, men- we've mentioned on several occasions the fact that they are, in fact, the only band I've ever walked out of seeing live because they were so awful. Um but I've got a particular beef with Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, bearing in mind, 1975 was my first year at university. And so this was the Christmas of my first year at uni. And In Hull? Yeah. Yeah. And so Bohemian Rhapsody comes out and I thought, this is a really clever song. And... Because I'm a singer, I, I I kind of I liked all the vocal harmony, and I thought this is really clever. And the 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 video, well, it was pretty well the first pop video, wasn't it? The first rock video, one of um, the first, yeah. And it was way ahead of its time, mm-hmm. and it, it 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 was really clever. But in the run up to Christmas, because it came out, it was it went to number one in November. And it was basically number one then for the next 15 years. Um, and um, it, or it seemed to be. Um, but then in the run up to Christmas came out what, in my opinion, is the greatest Christmas song ever. Greg Lake. Greg Lake, I believe in Father Christmas. You mm. knew it was me. I was going to have to get in a prog reference somewhere. Absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> and, and so by the time... I realised that Greg Lake was not going to be number one as a result of Bohemian Rhapsody. I'd already started to get pissed off with Bohemian Rhapsody. And then over the years since, when it's been on... 
every compilation album ever when it's been on but sung badly in karaoke by every terrible singer ever when you can't put any radio station on for more than three hours without it being on and i i absolutely hate it now and and it, it is and you know we joke about turning the radio off I've got Planet Rock on all day while I'm working and I have it on in my study and I have it on in the kitchen. So when I'm moving around the house, I've always got it on. You should if have CBW Radio on. on. You should have CBW Radio on. Well, I, if I could get it on the, on the F, you. If, I, if, if I could get it on DAB over here, I would. Well, um, we'll talk about this later. We'll talk about it anyway. <laughs> so, but and it's it, on all the time. It's one of the ones that I have to switch off. There's very few. This basically that song by Queen and anything by Judas Priest, then the radio just goes off. <laughs> can't, I just can't do it. Well, I yeah. love Bohemian Rhapsody. I know, I know, it is played a lot. It is played a lot, but no, it's good. Um, well, so it I'd was expect good it is. at the time. I tell you, my dad hated it in 1975. <laughs> He's on a par with you. That video, that video was on the end of the top of the pop show on a Thursday night. Every week, for well, for nine weeks, it was nine weeks, nine weeks, it was there. Nine weeks, and you must be pleased in '91 when he died, it went back to number one for another four weeks. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was over the moon. Yeah, I'm sure fantastic. I still think it's an absolute classic record, and and it's fair enough if it stopped your record from getting to number one. Uh, I believe in Father Christmas, it's a good I, enough reason for having I, it in any I list. I love I believe in Father Christmas, it's such a clever I have a similar episode. reason later on, actually, so I can't complain. Um, right, anyway, Bohemian Rhapsody, I've got it written down, but I do love that one, I must have said. Um, 1986 now, okay. um, a Swedish band. Oh, okay. I, I don't know a great deal about them. I just hate <laughs> with a passion. I don't know why that sort of synth intro that comes in and it's I'm talking Europe. I'm talking the final <laughs> countdown and it just, Drives me demented that song. Um, oh, and it was number one in the UK, it was number eight, I think, in America, and number one in Australia. A big hit. What can I say? It's not not up my street, shall we say? I just dislike it, not up my strata. Um, okay, this is an interesting one because I not only have I seen Europe live. Um, and obviously they do that as their encore, and um, it's kind of like this anthemic thing. I saw them with um, FM and Foreigner, so it was it was it was quite FM, a, yeah, FM. Who are? You know, well, I don't know. It's one of the bands I've got into. Listen to Planet mm. Rock, but um, but so it, so it was one of those triple headers, and um, Foreigner were terrific, um, and and Europe were the band in the middle. But I, I know what you mean. It's another one of those ones which is on every compilation album and has been played to death. I don't hate it. It's not in any way, shape or form my favourite Europe song. They've done three absolutely brilliant albums in the, 2000, I think it was 2011, 13 and 17. Mm. Um, all of which are terrific, good rock albums, a lot of blue. The one called, um, um, is it Last Road Out of Eden? Um, one called Bag of Bones, 
and I can't remember what the last one was called, but I've got all of them. Um, and they play lots of blues on it. And they, you know, the, he's he's got a great voice, Joey Tempest. But I I, I know what you mean. Yeah, he wrote very, it, I think, didn't he? Yeah, he wrote it. It is, it is that very, and he tells a great story. He told it actually when they when they played. He tells a great story about how he basically got into rock music because as a sixteen year old kid, he got the ferry from Norway to London to see. Obviously, not right into London because the ferry didn't come into London, but to the UK um, and to see Thin Lizzy at the Hammersmith Apollo, as it was, um, and um, came to see them, went back to Norway, said, I want to be a rock star, um, and that's that's where it all started. So it's, quite, it's kind of like a nice, it's like a nice story. And then right, uh, final countdown. But that's, uh, yeah, it, I, I understand why you don't like it. It's, lyrics, it's lyrics inspired by Space Oddity, I was reading. Mm. You get that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, enough about Europe. 1976 for you, then on to your next one. Yeah, again, 1976, like 1976. Oh, oh, I've got one I think you might have. 1976 is like 71. It's one of those, you know, great year for albums, stinky year for singles. All right, then, which one do you think I've got? I, I, I'm just going to plump for David Soul. No. Not him? Okay. No, he, he didn't even feature on my list of I haven't shows. got any of these right so far. Oh, I've got a poem in Rhapsody. Yeah, true. I'll take one out of ten. That's not too bad. All right, <laughs> well, I haven't got any of yours oh, either. 76. Uh, was it um, Convoy, maybe? No, Convoy. Convoy's great fun. I like No Convoy. Charge? Was that number one? I don't, can't remember. Uh, no, uh, JJ yes, Barrett, no, eh. no Charge was, but actually... It's not the one you picked. Go on, tell not, me. No Charge is, is the pretty well the only one of those schmaltzy, over-emotional songs that I actually like. I wouldn't rush out and buy it, and I didn't. No. But it's not one. It's not one which would make me. Well, the other ones like Desiderata. That wasn't number one. I don't think. No, but I don't. I don't, so. I don't hate that either. It's, so it's it's kind of like those. Yeah. No. I, I don't. I don't anyway, hate that one. Don't keep me in suspenders. What's number? Right. What, is, what you got? Right, so the one I've gone for is Save Your Kisses For Me, Brotherhood of Man. (laughs) Six bloody weeks at number one from March. But it won Eurovision for the UK. I don't care. It's (laughs) shocking. It's that... It's just dreadful. It's a tie yellow yellow ribbon for 1976. It's tie tie yellow ribbon for 1976. And you kind of... You look at ABBA, and, you know, I'm no no huge ABBA fan. Um, In fact, actually, Fernando was this year, and that stank the place out as well. Um, But um, but I'm I'm not an ABBA fan particularly. But when you look at how good ABBA were, and then you go Brotherhood of Man, and you go, well... (laughs) <laughs> it, they were it must have been a really bad year at Eurovision. They were it? like a poor version of ABBA, weren't they? Oh, they always, they always were. Even had song titles a bit like ABBA. They had one called Angelo. Or yes, they did. Well, Angelo was number one. I think and Figaro. Three. I think as well. Another. They just sound like ABBA song titles. Don't just me? awful, awful song. Um, awful song. Catchy Eurovision in the days where we actually used to win Eurovision. I mean, nowadays it's ridiculous, isn't it? I don't know. They have, have contests to decide. Who, ent- who enters for the UK? What's the point? You know, uh, I think I've said before, it's like, it's like, what colour underpants should I wear to your own execution? You know, it's like that. 
Well, <laughs> well the thing they is, go to that. No one votes for us. No well, one loves us. Well, the thing is that we can't. Uh, that also we can't pull out either because it's basically us, the Germans, the French, and the Spanish that pay for it. Yeah, we so fund it. We fund it. The so UK funds it. There's absolutely no way out. Basically, we are condemned to coming last forever. Not that I care because it's just fun anyway. But um, but uh, you know, if if what if winning means that you produce Brotherhood of Man, I'd rather come last. I mean, it's just it was awful, and and I've picked that in a year which also had Combine Harvester by the Wurzels at number one. <laughs> Combine <laughs> Harvester by the Wurzels. <laughs> so that I was mean, basically the song, a uh, changed lyrics, and these these farmers singing Combine <laughs> Harvester, <laughs> or to Melanie's song. Um, yeah, I've brand got new key, brand new, brand new key. Brand new key. I've got a brand yeah. new pair of roller skates. You've got a yeah, brand new key, brand new pair of um, and it was that. And oh, yeah, that was awful. The words was that but, was awful, but, there, but Sage there, Kisses for me was worse. Okay, fair enough. I think I, I prefer that to the Wurzels, funny enough. The, 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 <laughs> the only good thing about the words was fair play to them. I, I tweeted something disrespectful, shall we say, saying <laughs> about the Wurzels. <laughs> um, a, a few years back, uh, it, well, it wasn't like rude, was well, it? Sort of, sort of semi rude, I suppose. I said, oh, "You forget how truly awful the Wurzels were." That's <laughs> what it was, and I didn't uh, tag anyone. Well, I didn't know anyone in the Wurzels for a start. But then from that, I must you must search the name Wurzels. But I got a reply from the official Wurzels account saying, we phoned, it's sort of, in, it should be read out in their accent, really. We phoned it after, after a number of ciders, no one tends to notice. And I, I thought, that's a brilliant reply. <laughs> that is superb. <laughs> that is you seriously owned. <laughs> it was. I thought I had, to, I had to retweet that. That was a good, good reply. <laughs> oh, um, right, moving on swiftly to another act, I would say in the late 70s, Dabbed his toe a little bit into the disco pool uh, with an absolutely awful song. Um, and it was in 1978 from the Blondes Had More Fun album. It had a number one in the UK for one week. It was number one in uh, America, maybe in the beginning of 79. Um, and it's Rod Stewart. And a song I absolutely detest do you think i'm sexy i mean it's just such an awful song and the answer is isn't it no. <laughs> it's an awful song it's sort of a disco spoof almost isn't it like um the thing at the time with the bgs yeah who were i mean annoying as they were at the time looking back they were very oh, talented guys. Yeah, they were very fantastic. talented. And all of the stuff they wrote for Saturday Night Fever and, and Grease. Oh, it's it all brilliant. great yeah. stuff. But Terrific. Rod Stewart, obviously, maybe he did it as a joke. I don't know. But um, he certainly got to number one. Um, and it was it was all. And also this song, uh, he uh, stole the chorus from a song called Taj Mahal by, I can't pronounce this, but it's Horge. It's about J-O-R-G-E. Ben Jorge. Jorge ben Hor. Yeah, who had a song called Taj Mahal, and he settled it out of court. <laughs> of course, I'd love to hear that song by Taj Mahal, or, or Taj Mahal by Jorge. Um, I was going to say, not by Taj Mahal, because Taj Mahal was a, is a jazz uh, 
the song was Taj Mahal, and uh, yeah, he, he told it as un, un, his he, Rod claims it's unconscious uh, plagiarism, but um, but is that the signature? Another one of these signature synth riffs, a bit like the final countdown, yeah, um, was uh, lifted apparently from Bobby Womack's song. If you want my love, put something down on it. Bobby Womack wrote songs. Yeah. Well, there you go. Do you think I'm sexy, Rod Stewart? And I love, I love a bit of Rod. I, well, I like I, early Rod. Uh, yeah, exactly. I love early Rod. I think he just went went downhill as a lot of bands did for me. And this the eighties. Kink about it. yeah, definitely eighties. A lot of them just wanted to. Yeah, I won't go down that route today. Uh, but, but they did. Yeah. It was just. It was like it was. Yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. Right. Okay. Your next one. Seventy-seven. Yeah, you're not going to like me for this, but there's a slam dunk here as well, and that's Muller Kintyre, which I absolutely detest. You know, I, I've got Band on the Run. I've got Wings Who's Greatest Hits. <laughs> I've got Band on the Run. I've got Wings Greatest Hits. I in no way, shape or form do not like Mr McCartney, and I like the Beatles as much as anyone who's not, a, you know, kind of really major, major fan like you are. But Muller Kintyre, I just, I mean, again, nine bloody weeks. It's just, and I and I and to this day, I do not understand what people see in it. It's boring. Um, it doesn't show off his musical talent in any way, shape, or form. Got and I just here. don't understand why it happened. It's I, I, it's not one of my most favourite McCartney's tunes, I must say, but it has a certain charm as far as I'm concerned. Um, and you know, if you're a genius, you're going to come up with something that's not particularly you know, A1 every time, aren't you? I mean, it's just one of those, but, but it was a okay, massive so hit. don't release it then. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was at Christmas again. So, yeah, again, I think a lot of the grannies went out and bought yeah. it. Yeah, no, yeah. Disrespect, no disrespect to all the grannies out there. No, um, of course not. Well, but, I mean, you know, that's mostly our generation, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> right, okay. Um, okay, well, I haven't got McCartney in my list, I must admit. Well, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it was it was a big it was a big number one. Um, right, another one I've got here from '76. Another one who dabbled in disco. And I'm not not a huge fan of this guy, but in the early '70s, '73, '74 time, this guy wrote and produced some decent songs. Um, innovative, and he's a guy called Leo Sayer. Yes. Um, I mean, stuff like The Show Must Go On. Yeah, good song. Uh, it Dressed as a Clown, uh, which was, again, another one of those songs that was covered in America by somebody else who the name is, I think it's Street Dog Night, actually, that did a version, which I don't like, actually. But Leo Sayer's original version is superb. It was a good song. One Man Band, yeah. Long Tall Glasses. Yeah. Um, I, I can't think of... Uh, and he co-wrote um, a lot of songs for... Uh, Roger Daltrey on his debut album as well. Yes, he did. Uh, Just the boy. They had the same haircut. Just the boy. They did. Just the boy. And uh, and they're probably both idiots now, actually. To be well, he well, did Roger Daltrey. Certainly. I remember Roger Daltrey certainly is. Leo Sayer was paired on Celebrity Big Brother a few years back, and he walked out because I don't know something about something about that they they wouldn't allow him wash his socks or something. They wouldn't allow him to wash his socks, and he walked out. Uh, but yeah, this song I'm talking about is when he went a little bit disco-y um, and a bit falsetto-y. 
you make me feel like dancing and i yeah. just can't stand that song and it was a big hit it was a number one in the us number two in the uk number two in australia so a big old hit it was um credited to leo sayer and vinnie poncia who wrote the song supposedly but and vinnie poncia actually was ringo's i mean he did write co-write songs don't laugh yeah. but ringo and vinnie poncia did, did write co-write a few songs in the 70s um but ray parker jr who you may know ghostbusters yeah, he guy. Did ghostbusters yeah yeah, yeah yeah he claims he wrote the song but his name was left off the demo that he handed in. If you had written that song, would I you wouldn't claim it? it. No, <laughs> I wouldn't I've claim it. I claim I was in a different country <laughs> with no access to recording equipment. But it's number one, though. Keep, keep those, right. Well, all of keep these going. were number one, Cole. Keep <laughs> those PRS checks. Depressing yeah, yeah. About I it. know. Yeah, yeah. Right, no, so yeah. that's me. You only you make me feel like dancing, right? Uh, okay, on to you again, number... Well, yeah, 1978. 1978, yeah, you got a couple yeah, right, 1978, I really, really wanted to choose Rivers of Babylon by Boney M, which oh, I hate. awful, awful song. It is yeah. awful, uh, and that was number one for five weeks. However, there was one which was significantly worse than that in 1978. My which, word. In, which in April was, <laughs> God, number one, was number one for three weeks, and that was Matchstalk Men and Matchstalk Dogs by Brian and Michael. Brian and Michael. Okay. It's, pictures, uh, it's not pictures of Matchstalk. It's, ma no, it's no, just called Matchstalk. Match it's called Matchstalk Men, ma men and Matchstalk Dogs, dogs. Brackets, yeah. Lowry's Tune, close yes. brackets. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's dedicated to uh, the yeah. painter. Larry, who, he who also drew couldn't paint. Matchstalk. <laughs> That's why he drew Matchstalk Men and Matchstalk Cats. So it's a dogs. song about right. a bloke that can't paint by people that couldn't sing, and it was number one for three weeks, presumably just bought by people in Lancashire. Don't mind the song, if I'm honest. I don't mind it. Again, it's not one of those. I probably wouldn't turn it off if I heard it. Um, part of the backing band that sung on the record are going to feature in one of my last two, actually. Okay. Which we'll come on to. Okay. Um, I was a bit disappointed. I was a bit disappointed when um, it, it turned out that Brian and Michael, they released the record. But by the time it was in the chart and appeared on top of the pops, um, it was actually not Brian and Michael. It was Kevin and Michael. <laughs> they obviously, obviously thought Brian wasn't a sexy enough name. So he's called Kevin. No, he, he obviously quit. He didn't want to be <laughs> in the show just, business. Why don't they just, just make it Kevin weird and Weird English names out of a hat. Yeah, so matchstalk <laughs> men and matchstalk cats and dogs. Bloody awful. Sure one, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll come on to my one that's linked to that then, um, which was uh, in 1980. Okay. Um, and acquire... I suppose this goes to my real gimmicky novelty songs and grannies in particular, <laughs> as you'll get from the song title here. You're winding this up now, aren't you? <laughs> oh, I am indeed. Um, but St. Winifred's School Choir oh, no. sung on Brian and Michael's pitched, uh, I keep saying pictures, they sung on Matchstalk Men and Matchstalk Cats and Dogs. Did they? That was the first time they were heard of. Right, and, and then strangely, they came back and made what their was own that record. Called? It was called "There's No One Quite Like Grandma." Grandma, yes, it's oh. the granny. 
Uh, and uh, my my absolute dislike for that record was um, rather rather like your one with um, Greg Lake and Bohemian Rhapsody, perhaps. But they knocked John Lennon off the number one spot. <laughs> Now, in, okay. 19, in 1980. In 1980, died. with the year he died, he's just yeah. like starting over. I mean, admittedly, it was probably going down the chart. He got shot and and died, obviously, and it, it went back up the charts and went to number one. Now, he would, I think he might have been Christmas number one, John Lennon, but because of this bunch of Herberts, <laughs> there's no one quite like Grandma. One of the actresses in Coronation Street was in St. Minifer's School Choir. Can't think of her surname, but it's Sally somebody. That means a lot to everyone. But yeah. Um, but yeah, that was it. It was number one in the UK, believe it or not. I, it bet, was it didn't get to, I bet it didn't get to number one in Australia or America. No, it didn't get anywhere in their shots. <laughs> I, I don't know. Whether, do novelty hits really make it big in America? Maybe it's a, a UK thing. Um. I think it is a UK thing. It, it, I mean, it's just... I, I, I think, as, as a historian, if you like, looking back over the charts, over the years, I look at America, I look at the UK, I, I always look at the U, US and think it's more than here where you get bands or artists to last longer. Mm. They, they have hits and then they have another hit and then another, and they might have like half a dozen of them, but they still are there. Whereas over here, they have one, and then they have nothing. So they yeah. almost become a bit of a novelty or one-hit wonder. Well, I mean, um, think of that, all the one-hit wonders, and, and they keep on reinventing themselves. You know, how many different number, how many different chart hits did Jonathan King have under various different band names? Terry Dactyl and the Dinosaurs, you know, whatever. I mean, he had loads, didn't he? He did have loads, but, again, I'm going to have to correct you on that one. I don't think it was in the Terry and Dactyl and the Dinosaurs. It was his record label, the UK record oh, label. Terry Dactyl and Dinosaurs, that was actually, talking about other Christmas records, uh, Stop the Cavalry. You remember that one at Christmas? Jonah Louie. Jonah Louie was Terry Dactyl and the Dinosaurs. You recognise the voice. Listen to uh, Seaside Shuffle. Um, and I forgot why we were saying that. Why were we saying that? Um, we were just talking well, about the fact that America and yeah, Australia are sensible because they yeah, don't have novelty hits. They don't hits. have these novelty hits. I, I think... Um, they last longer maybe in the US because there is an element, I think I'm right in saying there's an element of air, radio airplay yeah. in the charts. Yeah. And, you know, you can play what you like. It doesn't matter who's any good. You know, they play it, it's going to probably get in the chart. Um, so that's there's no one quite like Grandma. Do I really have to write that down? Okay, your last one? My last one is, um, again, oh. was uh, by 1979, actually, uh, we're actually 78 and 79 because of the influence of new wave. When you start looking down what the number ones are, you've got loads more decent records. So you have Boomtown Rats and obviously 79, you've got another brick in the wall. So you've got some proper music in the chart. Blondie, Blondie one, around yeah, well, Blondie by that yeah. stage. However, in January 1979, you had the absolute stinker, which was YMCA what? by the village people. <laughs> <laughs> which I absolutely hate. And it, it was You're not like going to do the, the dance of, for us, Pete. No, the bane of your life, the bane of your life when you go to some blooming event and they play that and they expect everyone to get on the dance floor. I mean, I don't dance anyway. I hate it. Um, and having to dance to YMCA would be my idea of hell. And, you know, 
I mean, it just it's, it, the whole fabrication of the. It's an awful song. It's a stupid dance routine, and it's supposed to be five gay blokes. And actually, I think only one of them actually was. So it's just people being camply. It, uh, it was horrible. Were they, so, meant to be, were they meant to be all gay? I don't. Well, I, can't I mean, remember. Well, how many times have you wandered around Chelsea wearing a red, wearing a headdress? I mean, you know, not often, I imagine. Well, well, I don't like to say. <laughs> On a Friday, you never know what happens on a Friday. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, everything goes in Chelsea on a Friday, clearly. Yeah, um, but no, I mean, it's horrible. So, yeah, that was my that that was easy. That was your last one, okay? Why don't you yep. go? Fair enough. Uh, and my last one, I'm going way back to 1967. Now, again, like like the Greg Lake and like uh, your Bohemian Rhapsody link. Um, in 1967, many people say. One of the greatest ever singles, double A-sided singles, was released by the Beatles. Okay. Um, it was Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields Forever as a double A-side. Off, um, well, it wasn't on an album, actually. Um, no, it wasn't. Um, it, was, it was subsequently released at the end of 67 in America on Magical Mystery Tour. Oh, magical yeah, in, in the UK, we had a double EP at the end of 67, right. which had the, the songs from the Magical Mystery Thor uh, uh, film. Um, and they also had the number one single at the end of 67, which Hello, Goodbye. But um, yeah, to fill out an album in America, maybe double EPs weren't the thing, weren't right. quite the ticket in the US. Right. They decided to release an album. It's almost like a compilation album. They had side one with all the songs from the film and side two was filled up with every other A and B side that they had released right. that uh, year. So uh, Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane. And, I mean, had that got to number one, they already had had 11 consecutive number ones in the UK. Not that I'm a stato or anything. Um, then there was Penny Lane, Strawberry Fields, which should have got to number one, to be fair. Strawberry Fields is wonderful. It's a brilliant song. But it didn't because of this damn record. And then their next six got to number one. So 11 plus six plus the one, that would have been 18 consecutive number ones. No one would have ever beaten that. No. Song so that what really gets my goat was his first hit by Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh. And it was Please Release Me. Let Me Go. Let Me Go. Yeah, that's not good, is it? So it's stopping that, that's my sole reason. I mean, the song is probably a good one out of ten anyway. But, but maybe a, one and a half. A, a, solid, and a, half. a solid 1.5. <laughs> solid, solid one and a half out of 10. But no, I mean, the, the main reason for it's a bit churlish, I know, but not having it there is because it stopped the bit. But it's not churlish at all. It's not churlish at all. It's, Penny it's Lane my, it's my Greg Lake Bohemian Rhapsody argument. Exactly Absolutely right. Not at and all it was, churlish. So it was number one in UK. It was number four in the US. And this one was a hit in the US. And it was number three in Australia as well. Engelbert was quite big in the US, wasn't he? Didn't he have a few hits? Because he you kind got, of... You did. got me there. I'm I, not don't, oh, I don't know. Engelbert I'm talking... I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing this at the wall, but I, he kind of... It strikes me that it's his kind of music kind of fitted with that whole kind of American... Not crooner, but, you know, kind of like solo, like Andy Williams and all of those guys that, yeah, you yeah. know... Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but... Um, yeah, you might be right, you might be right. 
Uh, what we doing for time? Uh, so we'll just squeeze these quickly in then. These guitarists. Thanks for those number, those 10 songs. Uh, Austin, as I said, he's going to have his work cut out. Maybe get I think between us, we've got a we've got a real chamber of horrors there. I mean, this could be a, this could be appearing in um, appearing in a London dungeon anytime soon, couldn't it? It could, Madam Two Swords. Right, as I said at the start, we've got enough time. We, we'll just maybe squeeze this in. We don't want to run too late. Um, no, we've got. One and I'm sure we can, we can we can yeah we can do a little bit of this. Um, your top ten guitarists of all time because we did this. I did this with Slim Nick yeah. as a guitarist himself. Yeah, uh, I thought I'd, I'd let him run through his top twenty, and I was I did mine as well. But I, some of them were the same. But uh, it was his. I was interested in listening to. And obviously, you weren't on that show. Um, give us your ten, and for whatever reason. Okay. Well, um, yeah, it, it, it was quite hard to choose because I think because I love that you know that kind of music. That's very much my thing. Um, if you'd asked me 15 years ago, it would have been a different list because I've added people who are more modern to the list, you know, so people have been shuffled off and people, I mean, like for example, Eric Clapton would have been on my list 10, 15 years ago. He isn't now partly because there's other people that are better and partly because he's a bit Brexity. Um, so um, I've kind of, you know, I've shifted him for political reasons, <laughs> but um, so, um, but no, so um and I'll do these in order, um, yeah, although there's, there's kind of like at the bottom end, it could be any order, really. So um, numero uno, and I've said this a number of times in, in the context of other things, will be John McLaughlin. I think okay. for me, for me, he just shades it. Um, I, I just think if you look through his career, if you look at all the stuff he's written, um, his virtuosity, uh, you know, yeah, I think I think he's the best um, by um, by. A little. Um, By one of Simon Cowell's country miles? Maybe. No, not no, not by a country mile, because there's a lot of other... There's, it's a very it's a very tight field in the top six. Okay. Um, so, um, so, but, uh, but yeah, on balance, I, I would go with John McLaughlin. I, just, I mean, to be fair, I think Nick would have had him in as well. Um, but I think he, he sort of stayed clear of the jazz guitarist. Because well, I've only put, I've only probably, put one... I've only probably one. have 10 of them in there, I think, probably. Well, yeah, and I, I, could a big done, fan. I could have done as well, because I could have had, you know, Alda Miola and people like that. But, but okay. I, I've, I've steered clear of the jazz guitarists except McLaughlin, because I think if you're going to talk about the world's great guitarists, he just spans all of the genres. He's brilliant as an acoustic guitarist. He can rock when he needs to, and he's just this brilliant improvisational jazz guitarist. Um so I, I mean, the guy's a genius. So okay. uh, yeah, he's my number, number one. Two. We'll have to we'll probably like, a minute or so on each one or so. Maybe we should yeah. do. Yeah. Well, we number number two is easy. It's Black History Month, and uh, you can't have a top ten list without Jimi Hendrix in it. You know, Hendrix redefined electric guitar. He just had a whole succession of brilliant albums. He just did things that had never been done on a guitar before. He just created sounds that had never been done before. He just, yeah, I mean, he's just a brilliant, brilliant guitarist. Um, so, um, well, both Nick and I had Hendrix at number one, actually. So, he's uh, he would be in there. Um, okay. Number three, number a guy three, that's um, spent a lot of time playing with McLaughlin, um, and that's Carlos Santana. Uh, again, I think he's got. I, I love Santana's guitar sound. Um, 
so many what i like about him is that he's that kind of latin thing has always been there um but he's spread he's spread across the genres sort of latin rock jazz a bit funky um you know people talk about what's the greatest guitar solo of all time and then you have this big debate about do you mean one guitar or two guitars or you know what's a guitar solo um but certainly flame sky on um welcome which is mclaughlin and santana is just you know 11 minutes of guitar genius so santana would have to be up there okay. yeah he's in my top 10 actually um jimmy page you yep. can't have um, so was he you can't have uh, you can't have a top 10 guitarist without jimmy page uh you know um just looking back at all of the stuff he did as a as a kid, as a session musician, so many mm. things he was on, which you kind of think, oh, is that the Jimmy Page? Um, and and then it was, and it was, uh, and then the Yardbirds, uh, and then um, and then obviously the world's greatest uh, hard rock band ever, um, and you know just village, village people, yeah, village people, yeah, um, <laughs> responsible for so many great. So many riffs. great riffs, so many great solos, so many great but, songs. But there's probably an echo of Muddy Waters or whatever in in those in those riffs. I want they really certainly in the early stuff. I mean, I think yeah, yeah. Led Zeppelin one, two, and three. Um, yeah. Then uh, yeah, very much so. I mean, they, much more playing those kind of blues standards, um, yeah. and then moving into um, moving into you know the sort of. Uh, the more esoteric, mystical stuff. Once you got to, once you got to Led Zepp four. Um, cool. Okay, Jimmy Page. Yeah, because he uh, rumored to have played on the Who's first record. Actually, I can't explain. Really? Mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he basically was. I think Townsend might have said that he did play on it, but on the master version that was released, he wasn't right. on it. But then again, maybe he would say that. I don't really know. Another one I was surprised by was um, he played on Petula Clark's Downtown. Yes. Now I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's a great song, isn't it? That, oh, that's superb. A superb song. Brilliant single. Right, number five. Um, right. So um, I can't, uh, I can't do this list without having a nod to prog. So uh, next is Steve, Steve Howe. Yeah. Right. Completely unique guitar sound. I think what I love about, what I love about guitar is, you know, it's the same instrument, but people get so much, so many different sounds, you know, compare McLaughlin with, Hendrix with Page with Howe. It's the same instrument, but just done so differently. You, you, Steve Howe's guitar work, you can pick out above any, it, it, you know, with anybody's, you hear you hear the beginning of something, you go, it's Steve Howe. Just the way he plays, it's kind of, I don't want to use the word tinny, but it's more Spartan, I think, um, than some. But then when he rocks, he really rocks. So, you know, on stuff like Yours Is No Disgrace and Roundabout and, uh, you know, the kind of the great Yes classics. Um, mm -hmm. And again, so many good songs that he's written. Such a clever, clever guitarist, um, technically. So, um, so yeah, Steve Howe. Um, Dave Gilmore. Okay. From, uh, Pink Floyd. Floyd. Um, obviously... Um, he would uh, he would be on uh, most people's lists. I think I think on the um, the kind of greatest guitar solos of all time, um, comfortably numb, comfortably wins that fifty percent of the time at least. Um, and uh, if you uh, if you see the version on Pulse, um, it is pretty pretty epic. Um, 
but uh, yeah, and again, you know, you can't mistake Dave Gilmore's guitar playing. Mm. He He plays a Fender like some of these other guys do, but he doesn't sound like them because he's got his own unique Dave Gilmore sound. Um, and um, and that's what I can. Um, I think a lot of these, a lot of these, I mean, the ones that will come on to a couple that I might mention that you might not have in that, that are like that. I'm 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 not a guitarist. I mean, I try to, but I'm not a guitarist. I I don't listen out for it as much maybe as you do or Nick does. But you know, I can yeah that guitar. I, yeah, I can work out if I can work out who's playing the guitar, even though I don't know the song. Then that's got to, it's, like, it's unique to them. Yes, exactly. Got to be. Exactly. Right. Number um, seven. Okay. So I'm kind of, I'm at the end now where these aren't really in any particular order. Um, so let's throw, let's have number seven, Rory Gallagher. Um, okay. So um, again, unmistakable guitar sound. Um, and what I love, I mean, Rory Gallagher's band was so tight, you know, three piece. Um I saw him live a few times, and he was just fantastic. Naturally, naturally. Well, I've seen, I, yeah, I've seen most of these people live. Yeah, I was going to say, not, probably not, not Hendrix, obviously. Um, but um, but uh, no, so um, I mean, a proper a proper blues rocker, mm-hmm. um, and um, I think famously, Jimi Hendrix um, said that he was the best guitarist he'd ever seen. Um, so uh, you know that's some uh, that's great indeed, yeah, yeah, indeed. So Rory Gallagher, okay. Um, next one, this is this is probably my controversial one. Um, Alan Collins, who was one of Skinner's, Skinner's. Yeah, yeah, one of Skinner's three guitarists, the very tall, very long haired one. Um, it, it's really it's sad because Steve Gaines, who joined for one more from the road. Um, and then played on Street Survivors, but there was one of the people killed. Um, He probably would be up there if he had been in the band longer, um, because I think probably he was the best guitarist of the three. Um, But Alan Collins does a lot of the best lead work. Um, And I love Gary Rossington as well, but I wouldn't put him in my top ten. But but Alan Collins, if you look at him. Still with them? No, he's one of the ones who died. He died. No, in- Alan Collins. No, Rossington's still with them. It's Rossington. Yeah, Rossington's okay. still with them. No, because we saw them at Wembley at the same yeah. time that we were at the same gig. Yeah, in the- right. So that was Gary. Ross- that Reno. was Gary Rossington. The and- long blonde hair. Yeah, that's Who's Ricky. That? Ricky Medlock. Ah, uh, right. Okay. And he was he's he was in the original band, so he was on um, he was on pronounced, but then he left. Or he might not even have been on Pronounced. He might have left before they recorded Pronounced, but then he came back um, much, much later on. Mm. Um, so, I mean, he's a good guitarist too. I mean, that you know, you can't be in Skinner without being a great guitarist. Um, but um, but no, so yeah, Alan Collins for me Alan Collins, yeah. was, the, was the pick of the bunch. Um, Two more. Dickie Betts from the Allman Brothers. Again, uh, you know, you could easily choose Duane Allman, but he wasn't around long enough. You know, he was brilliant, but Dickie Betts then played through all the great arms with brothers and sisters and win, lose or draw, eat a peach. He was on all of those. Um, and then his solo stuff like Dickie Betts, great Southern, um, terrific album, um, good songwriter and, uh, and, a, and a really good guitarist. And again, 
per, you can hear his sound. You listen to Rambling Man, you listen to the stuff off Brothers and Sisters, Jessica, then, you know, it's just the Dickie Betts sound. Um, so, um, yeah, very much so. And then my, my number, how many have I got left? You've got one more. Right, okay. I'm, my last one's Jan Ackerman from oh, Folks. Gosh. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, they their early album, their first album wasn't great, but you could already tell what a good guitarist he was. By the time Moving Waves came out and they started playing all these great long things like Eruption and then Hamburger Concerto and Focus 3, um, you know, he was technically... A lot of people would say that he's not, he doesn't play with a lot of feeling, but he's a very, very technical guitarist. And I, and I really like how, I like the way he plays mm. uh, very much. So, um, okay. so that's your 10. That's my 10. The ones that I, the ones that I was umming and ahhing about, and these are the ones that are much more recent, which is why I didn't put, so Joe Bonamassa would be in there. I mean, I've seen him loads as well. Yeah. He's a fantastic guitarist. And then two girls, obviously Joanne Shaw Taylor, Joanne Shaw -Taylor yeah. and Anna Popovich, who um, Anna is, Popovich, yeah, who is a superb guitarist. So, um, you know, I, I, I've got, you know, I've got a top twenty really, but uh, yeah, yeah, we said ten. So yeah, we said ten. Yeah, okay. I mean, I from that list, I've got a few. I'm, I'm looking actually. I'm looking at it from a different perspective, perhaps, but certainly uh, people that I would recognise who's playing. One will be Santana. Um, one will be Hendrix, uh, one will be Jimmy Page, but probably only because I recognise one of the riffs probably that he's doing. Yeah. Um, I would have Clapton in. You can sort of tell it's Clapton. Yeah, very much so. Uh, you know, notwithstanding any political uh, uh, nonsense from these people, you know, it doesn't affect his ability to play the guitar. I mean, no. a, lot, a lot of people don't rate Clapton, actually, for enough. A lot of guitarists don't think he's the greatest, do they? But Oh, no, there's this big thing, you know, I, I remember having a debate about this fairly recently where someone said he wasn't even the best guitarist in the Yardbirds. Oh, um, right, you know, one of those. Well, yeah, but, I mean, given <laughs> given the fact that, you know, Jimmy Page was Jimmy in, Page the was in there. Jimmy Page was in there, and Jeff Beck was in there. And Jeff Beck, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, so, that's um, fair enough. Yeah, it's I mean, quite, Jeff Beck could easily have been on the list as well. It's not quite like Lennon's quote that Ringo has, He's the best drummer in the world. He's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. It <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was tongue in cheek. I hate to it. Because I yeah. do think Ringo is is a he might be the greatest uh, drummer in the world, but he's he certainly was the best drummer for the Beatles. That's yeah, what yeah. I would say. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, Another absolutely. one you haven't mentioned either of these two, but maybe a bit more commercial, perhaps. One is Mark Knopfler. Yeah, well, I mean, Mark Knopfler, I it would be in my top 20, not yeah. least because um, he taught me English. He taught you English at college, yeah, um, in the mid-70s, wasn't it? And uh, Brian May, again, I could recognise, but of course you wouldn't have, a, you wouldn't touch Brian May with a barge pole. What um, is it? The reason I wouldn't, and this is interesting, because talking to my mate who was involved with Queen on the record side, you know, and who is a very good guitarist himself, he would say, that Brian May's not a great guitarist, you know, and he said actually in conversation with Brian May, even Brian May said, you know, I'm not the greatest guitarist in the world. Um, so you know that 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 would be anecdotally. No, I don't know how much veracity you can put in an argument like that. But um, uh, from, from my amateur ear, I, I, he sounds pretty good to me. But I mean, well, you know, I, I say I'm no expert. 
well, everybody in the world's better than me. So, uh, you know, that's um, and I would definitely recognize um, another one who's probably not particularly proficient. But I would definitely recognize it'll be Chuck Berry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one that both Nick and I had in at number two, funnily enough, that you haven't mentioned was Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, you see, I don't get the Eddie Van Halen hype at all. I like Van Halen as a band. I've got yep. you know, their massive greatest hits album. And I play it a lot. Um, and I like, I think I love their songs, Panama, Jump, all that lot. But I, I never, ever understood the Eddie Van Halen hype. But I, I think the problem is that a lot of this, a lot of it's intensely personal. You, you, it, it's very hard to put down a benchmark and say, you know, this is what great looks like. And, you know, you, you can, with McLaughlin and Hendrix, there is no argument. With, um, with with Jaco Pastorius and Chris Squire on bass, there is no argument. But it, but there's so many where you go, this is about personal opinion. You know, a lot of people would have um, Ingve Malmsteen on here. They'd have uh, Joe Satriani. They'd have Steve Vai. Yeah. They'd have um, Nick uh, had both Empu, of them. Empu, um, whose surname I can't remember from Nightwish. So you'd have all of you'd you'd have a lot of those kind of shredder style or you know symphonic rock, and I totally get that. But it is a per- for me that's a personal opinion, and that's about a style of guitar that you like. But I think that uh, I think it's with 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 you and and with Nick really. I think it's the prog element of stuff, I guess, which I'm not so into. I like a bit of everything, but um, you, you are more likely to just highlight and listen to great guitar playing or great keyboard playing or great. Get, uh, bass playing or great drum playing, great singers collectively or individually. Whereas I just well, listen to, I like the song. Well, I think the thing is that there's part of that's to do with your upbringing because my dad was a massive classical music fan, and a massive jazz music fan. Yeah. And so when I was growing up listening to stuff, we'd sit and listen to something by Beethoven and yeah. he would deconstruct what we were listening to and say, right, now listen to the woodwind section. So you'd listen through something and I'd only listen to the woodwind. And then when we were singing, because I was you know, trained as a singer, when we were singing, he'd say, right, just listen to the bass part. So forget the tune, forget yeah. what you know, just follow the bass part. So when I got into prog, we did the same. So I listened yes. to Roundabout and I'll listen to Chris Squire's bass and I won't hear yeah. everything else that's going on. And I think if you have that kind of that that kind of deconstruction of the music, that's probably where it comes from. Well, that makes sense. Makes sense. Probably why, because my dad loved Ty Yellow and Ballad. Uh, by dawn, so uh, that probably, that probably explains like, it all. Didn't like Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, he didn't so like Bohemian Rhapsody, so get some, get some brownie points <laughs> for that at least. Okay. Yeah. Right, on that note, we'll finish. It's been good fun, <laughs> as usual. Um, the, our, well, shite fest of uh, number one singles. <laughs> and your number, and your <laughs> ten guitarists, interesting here, many of them compare with uh, Nick's couple of them with me as well um but we have to end it there so thanks pete for uh, coming along Pleasure. and Enjoy stepping it. up stepping up to the plate in a, using american sporting parlance always happy uh, to and uh this podcast will be uh posted to breaker anchor radio public google podcasts pocket casts spotify it'll be on, on the off the record facebook page 
and the CBW uh, Facebook page as well, as well as the CBW Production Company dot uh, com website, which which will have all all the other great podcasts that CBW produces. And apart from all of that, also of course, as Nick would say, the BBC. Just for him, just for him, that is always. So in the meantime, um, it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Thank you very much. Not off. Very much. Not off. All right. <laughs>